as one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Into the republic for which it stands. The Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The burglars forced a stairwell door, then taped its latch open. Well, I'm not a crook. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One nation under God. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. And you can see the two towers, a huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. Good Lord, there are no words. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Title IX, the landmark civil rights law. It marked a watershed moment for women's rights when it passed in 1972. And the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, preparing for launch. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, launch sequence started. D-16, IU green to go, propellants pressurized. T minus 15, legal anatomy of current events. SC ready and green to go. T minus 14, FOS ready, green to go. T minus 12, S1C fuel tank pressurized. T minus 11, SC green to go. Legal anatomy of current events, green to go. T minus 10, internal power, green to go. LES ready for ignition. T minus 9, 8, 7, we have ignition. Five, four, commit for launch. Green, three, two, one. We have liftoff. Repeat, we have liftoff. Legal anatomy of current events, all for you. Now on the air, target locked. Good morning, America. Welcome to Legal Anatomy of Current Events. I'm Gary Bell, along with Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We're out of Denver, Colorado. And we want to bring you, and we do bring you, the legal anatomy of current events in this country. We take the current issues, current news, and we break them down legally for you, and that's why we call it legal anatomy. We want to anatomize your mind. Come on, get ready. Here we go. Today's subject is the Colorado River and water, and you know all about it. And we're going to get into that in our show, and we're going to give you a little history of the Colorado River, give you a little history of water law so that you'll understand it and try to make it as simple as possible. This can be and is a complicated subject, but I think you're going to enjoy this. And don't forget, at the end of our podcast, every podcast we do on legal anatomy of current events, we have our American idiom that we cover It's kind of fun. That's the fun part of the show. And also the quote of the day, our American idiom that's coming up at the end of the show and our quote of the day. And if you ever want to contact us, you can email us at info at legalanatomy.net. That's info, I-N-F-O at legalanatomy.net. So what is this business about the Colorado River and who owns this water and what about it and what states does the Colorado River go through and what happens to the water? And who's in control of all this water? You know, the headwaters arise in the state of Colorado, and then they go down south, and we're going to cover that today. And it's a drought situation, as everybody knows, but it becomes legally fascinating what happens to the Colorado River and the Colorado water, right? And, and by the way, there's some people that say, why doesn't this water stay in Colorado? Why, why doesn't the state of Colorado own it? And so let's talk just a moment 
and give you a flavor of how water loss started. And then you're going to understand some of the fights between these states for the Colorado River water a little bit better. So let's say, let's go back to the olden days. And let's say you brought your family here and you want to set up a, a, a residence and you're, you've got some land and there's a river that runs through the land, right? And so you build your shack, you build your house, and you don't want to dig a water well, but you want to use water from the river. And so you can just do it. But under English common law, which we inherited in this country, under English common law, water law was ma- mainly controlled by the doctrine of riparian water. R-I-P-A-R-I-A-N, riparian water. What does that mean? That means that if you wanted to own the water, you bought the land next to the river. So if you own the land right next to the river, you own the water. And so that terrified a lot of people in this country, including in the western states and especially in the western states, because they didn't want big interest coming in and buying up all the land next to the water or next to the river because then nobody else would be able to use it. So then they adopted, as did most western states, they adopted what's called prior appropriation. This becomes fascinating when a little bit later we're going to apply this principle that you're going to learn right now to the Colorado River water and all the states that are fighting over this water, and all the people that are fighting over this water. So, prior appropriation, what does that mean? That means you set up your little homestead there, right next to the river, and then you diverted water from the river to whatever you wanted to use it for. Household use, livestock, agriculture, growing something in your homestead there. And once you did that, The doctrine is known as first in time, first in right. Keep that in mind. First in time, first in right. So if you you appropriated this water from the river and you made a ditch or a head gate and you turned the gate and let the water come into your land and you could water your livestock, you could raise uh, a garden, you could raise vegetables, you could grow something agriculturally, take care of your family, you'd have water. And so that's how it was done. And so how many acre feet of water you used, you appropriated it, and that was yours. Even though the water was public water, prior appropriation means you did it first in time, and you applied it to beneficial use. Those are the key words, beneficial use, okay? Now, let's get to this big fight on the Colorado River. What's that all about? And so the waters emanate from the state of Colorado, and the headwaters are there, so in the state of Colorado, when the people were concerned about water rights in the old days, they put in the Constitution that it was going to be the prior appropriation doctrine, first in time, first in right, owns the water. And that all waters in the state of Colorado, with a, with a couple of exceptions of underground water in aquifers, non-tributary waters, with a couple of exceptions, all waters in the state of Colorado were public waters. Public. They were owned by the public. So how could you get your slice of the pie? Like I said, prior appropriation, right? Now, let's get to the Colorado River. This becomes fascinating legally. I mean, it it really does. So let's talk about, it's called the laws of the river. A bunch of fascinating, complicated laws, the laws of the river. And that's what this fight is about on all the laws of the river. What, What are the laws of the river? Okay, well, number one, there are two congressionally approved Interstate compacts, all right? I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible because it is very interesting. There's two congressionally approved interstate compacts, and they're by statutes. One's called the Colorado River Compact of 1922. 
and hang on to that one for this show. The Colorado River Compact of 1922. The other one is called the Upper Colorado River Basin. So the Colorado River is really basically divided into two basins. The Upper Basin, which has the states of Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico. And then you, you geologists and hydrologists can tell me why New Mexico is in the Upper Basin, and I'll listen to you because I don't understand it. But there's the Upper Basin with Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico. And then there's the Lower Basin with Arizona, California, and Nevada. And they all want this water. And then there's the country of Mexico, and they want the water. And then there's the Native American tribes, and they want the water. And all of them have a slice and a piece of the pie. How does this work? Well, we're still talking about the law of the river, right? So part of the laws of the river, we have a treaty between the United States and Mexico where Mexico gets 1.5 million acre feet of water from the Colorado River. And in return, the United States gets water uh, from the Rio Grande and from the Tijuana Rivers. So there was kind of an exchange there. But the bottom line for us in this country is right now Mexico has a right to claim some of the Colorado River water. And it's a huge, huge river, which has shrunk, as we all know, right? Then there was another statute. We're still talking about the law of the river. And it was called the Lower Colorado River Basin Development Act of 1941. Lower Basin Development Act. We've got the upper basin statute and the lower basin. And again, the lower basin states are Arizona, California, and Nevada. And then, last but not least, on top of all of this, it's a United States Supreme Court decision called Arizona versus California. Arizona sues California over water in the Colorado River. And what was the result of that decision? The United States Supreme Court basically punted the ball and said, well, we've got the Colorado River Compact of 1922. That's going to control. So they, they basically just defaulted back to the, back to the statute. All right, now we kind of kind of got the technical laws out of the way. Let's get down to it, right? So uh, the Colorado River Compact, as I said, remember, divides it into two basins, the upper basin and the lower basin. And when you think about this, this Colorado River runs through these states, and the headwaters, as I said, ar arise and originate in, in Colorado. But the upper states, they think they have the upper hand, the upper basin states, because they claim that when all this water runs down to Arizona and California, right, and, and Nevada, they say that most of it evaporates. And that's not our fault. That's the lower basin states' faults. So the lower basin states of Nevada, California, Arizona should take the penalty because it evaporates. It leaks away. It seeps into the ground. That's not our problem. The water was there, but now it's gone. And you're going to see how, <laughs> how this gets all sorted out. Now, by constitution, statute, I'm not going to go through those laws, but we have the Bureau of Reclamation in America. And the Bureau of Reclamation is in charge of all uh, national parks, etc. But importantly, the Bureau of Reclamation is in charge of the Colorado River. Their decision controls. And you might be in California and you want all this water and you want 10 million acre feet a year. But the Bureau of Reclamation decision controls. Now, this is like a hot potato, though. Think about this. The Bureau of Reclamation is part of the de de Department of Interior. The Department of Interior is run by Deb Holland from New Mexico. She was used to be a representative in New Mexico in the Albuquerque district, and she's in charge. She was appointed by President Biden. Now she's in charge of the Department of Interior, which is in charge of 
right? The Bureau of Reclamation, which is in charge of the water to the Native American tribes. Think about that connection because the tribes just got about $580 million paid to them, and I'll explain that in a minute. Okay, so now we've got the, the river water running through these states. Everybody needs it. So what, what would you guess, what would you think the law would be? Well, how are we going to control this? If we're going to cut, if we're going to cut Colorado back and we're going to cut New Mexico back, we're going to cut Arizona back, how are we going to do this? I mean, in the old days, remember when I gave the example, you set up your homestead? Well, you had, a, you had a head gate. You could shut the gate. You could leave it partially open. You could control the flow of water. But you can't exactly do that to the raging, roaring Colorado River, right? You just can't do that. So the Colorado River feeds, right, Lake Powell and feeds Lake Mead, right? And so the way they're going to control it is they're going to look at the level of the lakes, and when the level of the lakes get below a certain level, which one of them already is, gets below a certain level, then emergency measures are going to be instituted and acre feet per year to the states are going to be cut down and reduced drastically. And if the states can't agree, which they're trying to, keep, keep in mind California and keep in mind what I taught you about first in time and first in right, using the water, putting it to beneficial use, you own it, first in time, first in right, keep California in mind, they're coming up. Okay, so if the states can't agree, then the Bureau of Reclamation is going to make the decision. But think about that. They don't want to do that. So what, is, what has happened here? The Bureau of Reclamation has issued an ultimatum to all of the states. There's seven of them, seven states. They use the Colorado River. Has issued a, an ultimatum that by August of 2022, that was, was some time back, you people are going to come to an agreement or we're going to impose our will on you. Well, that time period came and passed. Nobody imposed any will, no mandatory rules, no restrictions. So the Bureau of Reclamation said, okay, well, we're going to give you another deadline. It's January 2023. And if you states, you seven states, don't come to an agreement by January 2023, we are going to impose our mandate on you because we can do that because this is public water. And then you can say rightfully, you're listening to this podcast, Gary, I thought you said just a minute ago, I thought you just said, if you got first in time, first in right, you owned it. Yeah, I did say that. Sitting in the background is California. So the Bureau of Reclamation, under the, under the Constitution and the statute, has the power to declare and mandate what states get what water. And think about this. We're talking about agriculture. But more importantly than anything else, we're talking about Lake Powell and Lake Mead. And if they go below a certain level, they're not going to be able to make electricity. Hydropower is going to be gone. It's done. And they're close to that level right now. It's going to be done. And so that's why they established the level. And as you, you can think as the Lake Mead and Lake Powell is the barometer or barometers of how the river's doing. Because if it goes below a certain level, they're going to impose more restrictions. And that means no food's going to be grown, but it means they're going to have power. Somebody's going to have power. And so, so somebody's going to get food to the United States of America. California grows a lot of it. Right? And so that's what this fight is all about. Then we got the Mexico Treaty. They're saying they want the money. Uh, excuse me, they want the water. And, and, then, and, we're, and like I said, we, we have rights to the Rio Grande and we have rights to the Tijuana Rivers. And if you've ever seen pictures of the Colorado River in Mexico, it pretty much just dried up and it's all cracked dirt. Right? And then on top of all this, we have the Lower Colorado River Basin Development Act of 1941. Okay, here comes California. So in response to the Bureau of Reclamation's legal directive that if you seven states don't come to an agreement, 
on this, then we're going to mandate it. But they don't want to. So they missed deadline number one in August of 22, and they missed deadline number two in January of 2023. But on deadline number two, six states out of the seven came to an agreement in writing. I've got it right in front of me. And they all signed off. And interestingly enough, the governors are supposed to sign off legally, but every one of the six states has a signature that says representative of the governor of Colorado, representative of the governor of Wyoming, representative of the governor of New Mexico. So a representative signed off and California didn't. And California says, we're not going to agree. We don't agree because California uses the most water, right? And, and people like the Attorney General of the state of Colorado have said um, they're not going to be using 10 million acre feet anymore of water. And by the way, an acre foot is an acre, just take an acre of land, one foot high. An acre foot of water is enough water to supply basically two families with their necessary daily needs of water for a year. And there are 40 million users. So think about that, right? Now, here comes, here comes California. We're not going to sign. They didn't sign. So six out of the seven states had the, had the barometer level on Lake Mead, the barometer level, right, on Lake Powell, had it all there listed. And if it went below a certain, what, what was going to happen, there's going to be subtractions. And there was going to be subtractions for leakage and subtractions for uh, evaporation of the water. And the lower basin states were going to take a bigger hit, but not California. Because the Development Act of 1941 recognized that California, it divided up the water. But it recognized that California was growing at a faster pace than all the other st- states in 1941. So California must need more water. So in the, in the Development Act of 1941, the statute gave California more water. Now we come back to the legal lesson. So what did they do with it? They appropriated it. They got it. They took it. And they used it and put it to a beneficial use. That's the prior appropriation doctrine that I gave you in the beginning of the show. That's it, Right. So now California is reluctant to sign off because they think they're waiving. You know, since 1941, they've appropriated the water. They've used it. They think they're waiving for all California residents, all the agriculture producers. All right. They think they're waiving their rights to the prior appropriation doctrine and waiving their first in time, first in right laws of water. What a fascinating legal situation we find ourselves in. Right. And now where are we today? They're, going to, they're pushing them, and sooner or later, if the states don't agree, the Bureau of Reclamation is going to impose the limits. They're going to impose the, the limits and the barometers. They don't do it by head gates. They do it by the level of the lakes, Lake Mead and Lake Powell. And if they can stay above that, and the geologists and the hydrologists and the water experts call it the elevation. It's the elevation level of the lake. What's the elevation? And the elevation's too low. It's dangerous. And the elevation is the barometer for how the Colorado River is doing. And it's the barometer for how every state's going to get their water. Right? Now, we haven't talked much about the Native American tribes, but I'm going to do that right now. They have rights to water given to them by statutes and treaties, mostly treaties, in the old days when they established reservations. And so they have decided they don't want to fight. They don't want to litigate. They're out of water. They need, they need some relief. They don't want to fight. So now the Department of Interior, remember Deb Hallen is the secretary of the Department of Interior for New Mexico. She's a Native American. So the Native American tribes just got allocated to them, I won't give you the breakdown, $580 million to build infrastructure for water, infrastructure for 
uh, wells, pipelines, that sort of thing for them. And they took it and they took it instead of litigating and fighting about the fact that they had water rights that probably beat everybody, right? When they had the treaty and they established the reservations, it probably beat everybody. So where are we today? We're still fighting over the Colorado River. It's, uh, it's in dire straits. People are going to have to take big hits. The upper basin states want the lower basin states to take the bigger hits. The attorney general from the state of Colorado said he's willing to litigate this or settle it, but something has to be done. And so the lower states agreed, and all states agreed except California, and they're hanging on. They're hanging on to their prior appropriation doctrine first in time, first in right. Think small homestead, 1800s, building your house by the river, diverting the water, and now you own the water. Prior appropriation, first in time, first in right. Think that California is not, in my opinion, going to come to the table and agree. So think that the Bureau of Reclamation, under their statutory and constitutional power, is going to have to make a mandate. And then probably, here come the lawyers, probably there's going to be a lot of litigation and lawsuits over this entire matter, right? So, kind of sum it up a little bit, the Colorado River laws, river laws. One deals with a treaty with Mexico, a couple of statutes, right, and lays the groundwork. Uh, for the Department of Interior and the Bureau of Reclamation to control all this. And hopefully the barometers on Lake Mead and Lake Powell leave enough water for hydroelectricity and hydropower to create power. And that's what, that's what they're gearing it off of. Not head gates, not measuring sticks, but the elevation of the water at Lake Mead and Lake Powell. Okay, I hope I've shed a little bit of light on this for you today with regard to our pad- podcast on the Colorado River. That's a legal analysis of the water and the legal analysis of the Colorado River. Complicated subject, but I hope I, uh, I explained it well enough for you and made it easy enough to understand because it is a fascinating subject and it affects virtually everybody. And there's other fights in other states over the same thing. Okay, let's get to the, uh, the part of our show is kind of a little bit of fun. We're going to get to our American idiom. We do it every week. All right, our great American idiom this week, right, is a penny for your thoughts. Well, you've been listening to this podcast. I'll give you a penny for your thoughts, right? And if you want to contact us, contact us at info at legalanatomy.net. So today's American idiom is a penny for your thoughts. And we also have our quote. I love doing the quotes. They're, all, they're always really good. Here's a great one, right? By an unknown, unknown source, do you give as much energy to your dreams as you do to your fears? Do you give as much energy to your dreams as you do to your fears? I'm Gary Bell. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We're out of Denver, Colorado. We try to break down current issues for you, make them simple, give you the legal analysis of the same so you can be informed and you can make up your own mind on these issues. And this is a nonpartisan show. But as I said before, we cover very hot topics, very political subjects, but we're nonpartisan. We give you the legal analysis and the legal breakdown so you can make up your mind. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.